A Stanford study reports the following employee preferences. 55% of employees want to spend some time in the office and some time at home. 25% of workers want to work at home full-time. 20% of workers only want to work in the office full-time. Another recent study reports that 40 to 60% want to work mostly remote. But another study finds that 74% of Gen Z respondents prefer interacting with colleagues face-to-face. -face. An Accenture study found that 63% of high-revenue growth companies support hybrid work environments, while 69% of companies with negative or no growth reject the concept of hybrid workforces and prefer all on-site or all remote employees. With all this data flying around, what are the winning tactics regarding remote versus in-office employees? I'm Thomas Law, the Executive Director of the Technology and Services Industry Association. Welcome to Tectonic, the podcast where we explore what makes technology business models successful in today's world. In this episode, we will be exploring the ins and outs of managing a hybrid workforce. For those listeners not familiar with TSIA, we are a for-profit research institute. We track the financial performance of the largest publicly traded technology providers on the planet. More importantly, we perform deep operational benchmarking with the technology companies that are on the TSIA platform. It is that data that informs the insights you will hear in this series. Today, I am joined by Jim Roth, the EVP of Customer Support at Salesforce. Jim is a longtime TSI member and currently serves on our Executive Advisory Board. Jim, can you introduce yourself and explain your role at Salesforce? Hey, Thomas, it's great to be with you today. Uh, I run customer support at Salesforce, so I'm responsible for customer service for all of our products globally. Fantastic. And so before we go any further, let me provide everyone with some baseline definitions. The title of this episode is the hybrid workforce. What does that mean? Generally speaking, a hybrid workforce consists of employees who work remotely and those who work in an office or a central location. Workers can decide where they are most productive or choose a combination of both based on their preferences. This means some employees will only work remotely from home, while other employees will only work in the office. And finally, some employees will work at home for let's say two, three days and work in the office for the other remaining days of the work week. Recent surveys show that almost half of high-tech and financial service companies plan to support a hybrid environment. Let's contrast hybrid to an all-remote environment. This is where everyone, including executives, are remote, and there is no office to report into. And finally, there is an office-first environment where all employees are expected to commit to a physical office a majority of the time. So let me read a quote. An immersive workforce is no longer limited to a desk in our towers. The nine to five workday is dead and the employee experience is about more than ping pong tables and snacks. That's from Brent Heider, who is the president and chief people officer at Salesforce. So, so Jim, what does that mean, right? What posture is Salesforce taking regarding remote employees? Thomas, we're definitely living in a work from anywhere world and we fully embrace this hybrid uh, model you talked about. It, it's a must, it's a necessity today. And so we think about the world in kind of three cohorts. Um, there's a flex cohort 
uh, of our employees. And that means when it's safe, those employees are going to be coming back to the office one to three days a week uh, for things like collaboration, meeting with their teams, training, customer meetings, things like that. Um, There's another cohort that's fully remote. And you can think about those roles as people in the field, like a salesperson, a success manager, a technical account manager, where it makes sense for them to be based near a customer. And then their office space, that's the smallest cohort. Um, but there are certainly roles that that makes sense for. Uh, our IT staff members that you know imp- support on-site walk-up uh, IT help or, or our team members that run our data centers. Um, so there's a role for all of those. And you know, that's kind of how we're thinking about the hybrid workforce. So, so it's obvious. Salesforce is leaning into this hybrid model, and it definitely has some known benefits and also some challenges. When you think about the benefits first, you know the ability to recruit and retain talent, reduce real estate expenses, improve the quality of life for employees. But there are some downsides here, right? I mean, you have to manage to try to sustain the company culture. Uh, also, you have to you know, manage these remote employees, and, and that's a different skill set, and also the advancement of remote employees. So, Jim, from your perspective, am I missing any of the big benefits or, or challenges that you see? I fully agree with the ones you listed. There's one I would think I would add, which is greater equality. You know, the ability to tap into new talent pools from new communities and geographies, uh, and also things like more flexibility. So, uh, you know, allowing people to have more flexibility for picking up their kids or caring for a sick parent, that, that's really going to help us drive greater equality. So we think there's a big opportunity uh, with all of this hybrid work for equality. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I had just read an article and, and they were talking about employees with disabilities where it's very difficult for them to commute. And now this opens up a lot of opportunities for them. That's another great example. Yeah, yep. Great example there. Yeah, so that's definitely a benefit. So I want to click into some of the tactics related to benefits and challenges. And I want to start with recruitment and retention. Last summer, I was meeting virtually with the executive teams of member companies to discuss the impact of the pandemic on their business model. And the topic of the virtual workforce always came up. The vast majority of companies I spoke to expected to be more virtual post-pandemic. But one member said they were committed to an office-first posture as soon as it was safe. So I asked their VP of HR how how that messaging was impacting retention. And he said it was already an issue because recruiters from Google and Facebook were hammering their technical employees for jobs that were previously based in the Bay Area, but were now available to anyone anywhere. Jim, what are your experiences regarding the benefits of a hybrid model for recruitment? How are you recruiting the best talent? Well, well, I think there's no doubt that flexibility is really valuable. And so people think about that as part of their compensation. If you're willing to give more flexibility, that value comes through and people are more uh, attracted to to your offering. Um, At the same time, uh, and you mentioned this in some of your stats at the beginning, I think people want the ability to get together in person. And we talk a lot about, you know, our employees, when they come to the office, that's really an extension of our culture, an extension of our brand, and they want to be able to assemble. So I think this notion of having flexibility to work from home, but having great spaces that you can get together and assemble and collaborate, I think, I think really what people want is both of those and a lot of flexibility of where they spend their time between the office and, and their homes. Yeah. And so what I think you're saying, by putting both things on the table when you're recruiting people saying, look, we're going to have a lot of flexibility, but we're also going to provide these opportunities is going to help you know, you know, in terms of getting the best talent and talk a minute about retention. 
and how this helps in retaining talent. Well, it's the same the same side of that coin, which is you know that there's value in that flexibility. Um, I do think it's really important that you have to establish connections. So you think about organizations like all of ours. We've hired people over the last 18 months. They've never been in one of our offices. They've maybe never seen their manager or met anybody they work with. And so it's just natural that you're going to feel less of a connection uh, in that world. And so one of the things we're very focused on right now is how do we get together with people where we can? We've been doing things uh, virtual site visits. So one of the big components of my job always was traveling around the world to visit our team members locally on site. And we haven't been able to do that in 18 months. So we started this program of virtual site visits. We were just virtually in Hyderabad this week. Uh, and the whole idea of that is to connect with our team members, to listen uh, and allow for them to hear from our leaders. So they have that connection uh, to the organization, to the purpose, to the values of the company. And it's been really valuable. So this is interesting, right? Connection is important for retention, right? People need to feel connected to their coworkers, to the company, and that starts to get into culture, right? And because that is one thing I've heard again and again from executives that knew they were going to be more virtual, to move into this hybrid model, but they definitely are concerned about how do we keep our company culture? So what are you doing on that tactic or, or, or this area of culture? Yeah, there's, there's a few things there, and it certainly starts with leveraging all of the technology to collaborate and, and visit with people. So, so whether that's you know, using tools like Zoom for these virtual site visits, I think it's also important to have some fun. You know, we get really good response when we open up and, and let our team members ask our leaders questions uh, that, that, that are on their mind, not just questions about work, but questions about their backgrounds and how they grew up and their families. And so you have to feel uh, this personal connection. Another thing that we've had a lot of good luck with, uh, we run an innovation exercise that we call Shark Tank, where we crowdsource ideas for innovation from our teams. We run a Shark Tank competition. We have a lot of fun with that too. We have the virtual background that looks like the Shark Tank set. Uh, and so you have to just have fun and connect with people on a personal level. It can't just be all about the work or people are gonna feel you know, loosely connected to your organization and your purpose, and they're gonna have lower switching costs uh, when that recruiter calls. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. At TSI, a couple weeks into the pandemic, uh, we fired up something called Buddy Huddle, and it's led by our CEO, J.B. Wood. And to your point, it, it was to get people together just to connect and, and have some fun. So, you know, there'd, there'd be like games, we have, you know, we had to, like a costume session, and this has been going on every Friday since the pandemic. Uh, it's not an all hands, right? It's not a mandatory company meeting. It's, hey, come if you want to come. Come if you need to get some connection. And it's worked out very well. And I think that the point is so important. People need to get together, not just around the work, but to have some fun together. Absolutely. You know, I, I see this as kind of analogous to my kids in school. Virtual school, I always describe as school minus the fun, right? You're in there for the classroom. Uh, you get the learning, but you don't have lunch. There's no gym. There's no PE. There's no art. There's none of the fun, no recess, none of the fun stuff. And you got to have to balance that in. Otherwise, it becomes just exhausting. Yeah, that is such a great example there. And, and you know, there's no doubt that there's more work involved to keep the fun, to keep the culture when things are remote. Uh, but, but I have to put my cards on the table here. I think this issue of, of culture dying with remote employees is a red hair. I mean, pre-pandemic, most executives were wary of allowing employees to work remotely you know, for lots of reasons. Then the pandemic proved that remote employees could be highly productive. Now, 
cautious and control-oriented executives are looking for reasons to drive employees back into the office. And, and culture is the flag they're waving. And I'm telling you, personally, I've been working for over 15 years as a remote employee at TSIA, and a lot of the TSIA research staff is scattered all over the country. And yet, you know, I feel we have a very distinct and strong company culture. Pre-pandemic, we met face-to-face about three times a year uh, at the two TSI conferences, and then we do an annual research summit. Uh, this year, we huddled every quarter for virtual research summits. So, so, I mean, culture can absolutely be established, transmitted, and maintained virtually. So let's move on to a- another challenge related to hybrid, and that is the promotion of remote employees. In a hybrid model, there are still corporate offices and execs that are often based in these offices. Remote employees have less daily exposure to these execs. And and so does this handicap these employees? Jim, what are your thoughts? I think it's all about visibility and and connection. So I think you have to be a little bit more deliberate to make sure that you understand the talent in your organization. And you have to be really thoughtful, just like you did when we were in person, about getting exposure to the talent in your organization to make sure that when those promotion cycles come up, that the leaders know who they are and can connect with them. Um, but, but it also goes back to what we just talked about, Thomas, of, of personal connections, right? You need to have personal relationships. And I agree with you. You can do a lot of that with technology. We can sit down with someone we've never met and in a 30-minute Zoom meeting, you know, establish a pretty good connection if we talk about, you know, some work things and some personal things. And so um, I tend to agree with you that um, I don't think that they're, they're handicapped. I mean, there might be one exception, which is if the nature of the work uh, requires them to be in person. And there are certainly jobs in some industries that require that. And so having a remote manager there, it's probably a little bit tougher. But in a, you know, in a virtual world that the jobs are all virtual, it's about connection and visibility to me. Yeah, and I do think remote employees need to work harder to build relationships with both their peers and their superiors. Uh, but there's no doubt it can be done. And the last, uh, I'd say six of the seven promotions that I made in the TSI research team were employees not based in our San Diego office. And these employees were promoted because they had demonstrated the right skills for the job. So so let's discuss a tricky topic related to hybrid environments, and that's compensation. One of the great promises of hybrid environments is that it allows employees to relocate from high-cost areas to lower-cost locations. And a recent survey found that 72% of employers have no formal method of determining compensation for remote workers, right? That's a stunning percentage. The same study finds that over 97% of employees report they won't reduce pay for partially remote employees. However, 21% of employers will adjust salaries with respect to anyone based on their geographical location. So if they're, if they're not just coming into the office, you know, two days a week, but they're literally, you know, maybe kind of relocate to Austin or any or wherever, you know, what is the Salesforce philosophy on this particular topic? Yeah, I mean, I think companies for a long time have had different compensation markets based on where people live. But you bring up a good point, which is companies have also had this nuance of are you tied or tethered to an office versus are you remote? Uh, And what we've done, and I think a lot of people are doing, is that's kind of going away. So that doesn't mean that there aren't different comp markets, you know, country to country, even city to city within major countries. Um, But this notion of, hey, the compensation is somehow different if I come into the San Francisco office versus a flagged remote and live in the Bay Area, those are kind of fading away. Yeah, yeah, I I know. I think it's rapidly maturing. Companies 
have got to figure out what these policies are going to be. And again, they have to be policies that, that you know, keep them you know, competitive with the labor force. One other thing I see in the industry too, is there's some companies that are kind of flattening that out to actually give employees an incentive to move out of their major metros that are more expensive. So for example, if I were to give you the same salary independent of where you lived in the US and you wanted to live to lower cost places in the US, then maybe that helps me save on facilities costs. We aren't doing that, but I do see some organizations going down that path. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, so the next thing I want to talk about is I want to shift to one of the greatest potential benefits of this hybrid work environment. And this is the concept of synchronous versus asynchronous progress. What does that mean? Well, when everyone is in the same office, the same hours, they work on the projects together in sync. But when employees are spread across time zones and actually prefer different working hours, some people might want to say, hey, you know, I want to start working at noon and work late in the day. And others might be like, hey, I want to get up at, you know, hit, hit, hit the keyboard at 6 a.m. and be done by two, right? So, so now they communicate and work on projects asynchronously. Now, Forbes published an article on the benefits of migrating to effective asynchronous communication. And some of those benefits are the fact that, you know, workforces see increased productivity, uh, increased time for deep work where they, you know, employees can feel really focused on something and not be disturbed. Uh, it enables more seamless employee experience regarding, you know, regardless of locations and, and time zone. So, you know, they don't have to make this staff call that you're having that is maybe, you know, nine your time and it's 6 a.m. their time. And it creates a more inclusive and supportive environment, allowing for both introverts and extroverts to contribute equally. I mean, that's another key benefit. And it allows individuals to optimize their workday for their own personal efficiency preferences, not needing to be as tied to these dedicated nine to five hours. So let me give you a, a personal example of leveraging asynchronous work model. Uh, I, I don't work nine to five, and I've not done it for 25 years. Here's my day. I like to get up early, 6 a.m. First thing I actually do is I like to read. Uh, then I like to work and write. That's the best time for me to write it, it, for about two hours in the morning. That's my deep thinking zone. Um, then I go do something physical, you know, take a walk, golf, you know, bike ride, whatever. And then, you know, I clean up and, and after my workout and, and hit into the meetings. And, and, you know, that cadence really works so well for me. Um, but that's not supported if I was in a nine to five you know, model in, in, in an office. So, so I'm curious, what do you see as the benefits or, you know, or challenges of asynchronous work? Well, I think having run global teams, 24 hour a day teams for a lot of years, by definition, you have to do work asynchronously because we aren't all up 24 hours a day. You know, more recently, one of the things my team's talking about a lot is meetings. And if you think about it, the reason we have meetings is for synchronous collaboration and communication. Um, but there's a lot of things that can be done asynchronously, and that frees up meetings from the calendar, which go back to this currency of flexibility and allow people to do more with their day. And I'm sure if we did a survey, nobody thinks we have too few meetings in any organization I've ever been a part of. Um, the key for me, though, is there are some technology things you need to really be effective asynchronously. You know, we've had email for decades, and email is an asynchronous form of communication, but it's not always as effective uh, as getting together. But I think lately there are some newer collaboration technologies, whether it's, it's live chat or we've been doing a ton with Slack on my team. And Slack has just been incredible uh, for asynchronous work. 
um, because of, of the, the different capabilities, whether it's group messaging or replying in threads or being able to pop into a voice conversation. Um, and so I think there's going to be a lot of technology innovation in this space to make asynchronous better and better and better. And I think we've come a long way, um, but I totally agree with you. We have to move to more asynchronous work. Um, it's better for our people. Uh, it's more productive and, and the tools are just going to keep getting better and better. You know, this whole Slack thing, Jim, right? You, you and I grew up in, in the email generation, right? And that's uh, the way that we're used to communicating. And it's so interesting. My, my son, who's a computer programmer, you know, him and his peers, they only communicate through Slack. And every once in a while, he'll say, hey, like somebody sent me an email. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> it's, just, it's just amazing how quickly that has changed. But, but I actually want to go back. You know, you talked about global workforces and employees working in different time zones. Yeah, I think that's true. But I do think it's different because when the, cor when the corporate headquarters, right, if, mo if most of the executives are in a certain time zone, then everybody knows, you know, 9 a.m. in the Bay Area, that's when I can get a hold of people, right? That's when the, the real day starts. Um, so the whole company sort of uh, adjusts and is anchored around the hours of the corporate headquarters. But now, again, in this more remote world, you might have executives that aren't all on the same time zone. And that does change the game a little bit. That's for sure. No doubt. No doubt. So I'm curious. We're talking about this hybrid workforce. And, and again, you aren't the only one dealing with it at Salesforce. Everyone's dealing with it. Uh, I'm curious. What are you hearing from other technology leaders as they navigate this new world? You know, it's a couple of things. I, I agree with your sentiment that 18 months ago, uh, a lot of folks were saying, hey, um, when it's safe, we're all going back to the office. Uh, but I think eight, 18 months later, everyone's realized you can be super productive without being in the office. And so everybody is, is kind of evolving to be okay with this hybrid world. Um, I think the one thing that's still out there for people is what I think about is kind of the deadweight loss of culture. We've kind of talked about that. And, and here's the conundrum. Uh, on one side, people are saying, okay, my employees want flexibility. I want to give them flexibility. I want to tap into the biggest pools of talent that are out there. And so that might lead me to a work from anywhere, hire from anywhere world. Maybe you have, to, you have to have an internet connection, but you can be anywhere you want. But I still think people are struggling with, okay, on the other side, um, there's this culture dynamic and how do we maintain culture from a distance, right? Culture uh, can be maintained virtually, but it's not entirely virtual just yet. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of innovation uh, in technology, like, like we talked about with Slack to kind of help bring teams together and work more asynchronously. At the same time, I think there's this, there's this one-way door decision to use a Jeff Bezos analogy, which is if I allow my workforce to truly be anywhere and, I, and that's not the right model because I see attrition go crazy and people just become transactional and they're hopping job to job every six months. It's really hard to put that genie back in the bottle and say, you know what, I need to have some sense of culture and more connection by having my employees, uh, you know, more co-located. Um, and you used your example of your, your team, right? Your team is able to get together twice a year at your conferences. And so I'm sure that's a great bonding moment for your team. But if you have massive global frontline organizations, you're never going to be able to afford to put them all on planes and get them together. So this is kind of what I'm hearing right now. And I think it's this, how do we deal uh, as an industry uh, and a society with this kind of deadweight loss of culture? Um, I think that's the big, the big next frontier for all of us. Yeah, you know, I'm so glad you put that on the table. And, you know, this thought that employees become very transactional because they are not connected at a personal level. I mean, that is such an important thought. I think companies are absolutely going to have to manage that. 
And this is the balancing act that everyone is dealing with. Because again, on, on the one hand, if you're not providing the flexibility, it can absolutely impact your ability to recruit talent, retain people. They, they want this flexibility. But like you said, you, you just take it too far to the point that people are just completely disconnected to company culture and they become transactional. Then you have a new problem in attrition. So it is going to be a journey. Uh, but I firmly believe that Jijini is out of the bottle. Right. I just do not believe five years from now, 10 years from now, especially in tech, uh, the winning model is to cram everybody back into an office, you know, four days a week. I just don't think that's going to happen. So, Jim, thanks so much for your insights today. Uh, Salesforce uh, has always been a pace setter in the technology industry, and I'm sure listeners will appreciate hearing how you are approaching this emerging world of, of the hybrid workforce. Uh, and so let me end this episode, as I always do, with the big question. Effectively leveraging remote employees is becoming a critical success tactic for the technology companies facing an ever-tightening labor pool. Does your company understand the best practices related to recruiting and retaining these remote employees? Thanks for joining us today. Cheers. Cheers.